Before we get started today, a really exciting announcement. The Creator Kitchen is now live and open to the public. I've been piloting a membership program for experienced, driven creators for about two and a half months now, and I'm finally ready to open it up to you. This membership program helps you push yourself creatively. It is for people obsessed with quality and craft, which unfortunately makes you a little bit different than most of the content you find on social feeds and elsewhere today on the internet, unfortunately. But it's now urgent that more of us create what only we can uniquely create. Because remember, the job isn't to create content. The job is to create connection, to resonate deeper and make what actually matters to our careers, our companies, and our communities. That's why you create, and that's why The Kitchen exists, to help you make better things. Not to watch a bunch of courses, not to chat with a bunch of people, but actually, in your work, make that work better. And by better, I mean more uniquely yours. That's what The Kitchen is for. You can learn more about membership at creatorkitchen.com. And if you're interested in signing up, use the code UNTHINKABLE with all caps for $100 off your subscription. That's unthinkable with all caps at creatorkitchen.com. Remember, things get better when you make better things. I tried my best not to laugh, but uh, it leaked out anyway. <laughs> and now everybody's staring at me. Great. I'm sitting in a conference room with like 10 other people, and it's one of those startup conference rooms that tries very hard not to be a conference room. You know, beanbag chair in the corner, whiteboards on every wall, posters with motivational sayings, you know the type. So people stared at me, and I stared at the wall. And Michael Jordan was there to tell me that I had to fail a bunch of times to succeed in my career. So here goes nothing. So uh, I have this idea, and I was off. Four straight minutes of me explaining to them this big idea that I loved. This idea so good that I'd laughed out loud just thinking about how everybody's minds would be blown to smithereens once we launched it. When I finished, everybody looked at my boss. He was sitting at the middle of the table because everybody expected him to sit at the end of the table. And he said, okay, thanks, Jay. <sighs> Damn it, MJ. As we walked out of the meeting, a friend came up to me. Dude, that was an awesome idea. He just doesn't get it. Today on the show, why so many ideas we love are kind of like secrets that we end up keeping from the world, and why it's easy to feel afraid when sharing them, and more importantly, how to address that. It's a little scary, but a lot exciting. Keep it going. It's Unthinkable, the show about trusting yourself, not the conventional thinking. I'm Jay Akonzo. And now a story from the archives. Whether you're a writer, designer, podcaster, marketer, there's something thrilling and addicting about the moment you get a good idea. But balancing out that sheer giddiness is the sheer horror of somebody shooting it down. After all, as craft-driven creators, we constantly share our ideas with others who don't necessarily think like we do. And so we often keep the biggest or the most exciting or the most risky ideas private. Today, what I really want to know is when we do share ideas with others and they aren't well-received, why do we all so often react in the same exact way? 
We go from excitement over our ideas to hesitation in sharing them to indignation that anybody would actually reject them. And when that happens, what do we say? Oh, well, they just don't get it. So why do we do that? Well, first, let's go back and explore this idea of secrets for a second. Think about when you've kept a secret buried deep inside before, one that you feel is a big deal. You think about it a ton, and it practically consumes you, right? And when you finally share it with somebody else, that's a big moment. Now, what if they react negatively to that? Or worse, what if they look at you like, that's not a big deal at all? After all that time you've agonized over it, wouldn't you concoct some kind of narrative as to why they're not receiving it well? I think the same thing applies with our creative ideas. And that's why we say, oh, they don't get it. But I'm getting ahead of our stories today because the first most fundamental question to ask here is, should we actually care if others like our ideas? And the answer is actually more nuanced than you might think. Here with a story to shed light on some of that stuff is a fellow craft-driven creator, Andrew Littlefield. All right, Jay, so have you ever walked through a museum and you look at a piece of contemporary art and just kind of thought, huh? <laughs> uh, that about defines how I handle, especially modern art. My mom is a preschool teacher, and so I look at those Jackson Pollocks, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure my mom's students could have and actually did create exactly that. So I'm totally with you. I, I, I just kind of don't get it. Ah, uh, Jay, Jay, Jay. What are we going to do, man? Okay, so fair enough. I, I won't give you too much crap for that. You're not alone. But uh, I talked to this artist, and he kind of completely changed my perspective on that because he doesn't start from that point of how do I make something people are going to like. In fact, he doesn't really give a flying you-know-what whether people get or like his work. Uh, and I tried really hard to goad him into talking about this, but it's just not on his radar. Instead, he told me something much more interesting. I'm walking through the crowded floors of the Affordable Art Fair, an annual art exhibition in New York City. It's opening night, so the crowds are thick, music is loud, and free drinks are flowing. But off in a corner, away from the mob of hip art enthusiasts, I see something that catches my eye. It's a large box with a full-length mirror on one side. Next to the mirror is a small, plain light switch. No one else seems to be paying attention to it, but there's a sign next to the box listing hours of operation. I go over to investigate, looking up and down at my mirrored reflection. Adjust the bow tie, fix a stray hair. Then my eyes lock on that light switch. It's so... tempting. I extend a finger, and I flip the switch. Suddenly, my reflection disappears. Standing in front of me, mere inches from my face, is a man in a suit, staring at me, scowling. He quickly flips the light switch on his end, he disappears, and it's my face back in the mirror. That is a two-way mirror like the police use. So I'm watching them the entire time. They come up, they hit that switch, and these really bright lights come on on the inside, and they see me staring at them, and I'm about a foot away. A foot away from my now terrified face is Oliver Warden, a New York-based artist with a penchant for attention-grabbing pieces. And on the night of that art fair, he caused several hundred people to jump out of their skin. I have been making art my entire life. I was sort of discovered at kindergarten and taken to the principal for a drawing I did. And he called my parents and said, get this kid in art classes right now. And I've never looked back. So anyway, so I'm sitting in Oliver's Brooklyn studio, 
a long, narrow space practically overflowing with artworks of all kinds, paintings, pictures, prints, and off in the corner, that big mirrored box. So I think with the boxes, you, you, the first experience is, ha ha, this is funny, or this is novel, or there's, and then you go, well, wait a second, what's really happening? And you start to figure out how it's working. You start to see the surveillance camera that's inside behind me and routing your image to the cafeteria so everyone can see what I see in the box. They're watching you now. And then it's like, oh, wait a second, start to piece it together technically and then conceptually, and then you start to realize something about yourself. There were a lot of people asking questions that night. People would hit the switch and try to capture the moment on their phone, bring their friends over to watch their reaction, and stand back to watch and laugh at strangers as they tried it for the first time. But even a piece as simple as this has critics. I have to make something that's going to captivate their imagination or make them ask a second question. And then it's their responsibility to do that or not. But, you know, some people walk up to the box, they click it for three times, and that's it. Or they don't click it at all. Or they watch somebody else click and go, they shrug their shoulders and walk away. That's all right. That's part of the experience. Hmm. But the people who do something weird, that's the people who actually I, I really pay attention to. Oliver knows there's a set of people who will connect with his work, and that's exactly who he's trying to reach. He's not concerned with the people who don't get it. And while he wants to create art that people connect with, he says there's a deeper question that all creators need to ask themselves. It's more important for me to make the work, I think. I know what it's about. You are the authority on your art. Don't ever let a critic tell you otherwise or anyone else. You are the absolute final say in your work. Now, it is also up to you to constantly ask questions of yourself. Um, it, there's a thing, a phrase I like. I call it the second question. You must ask the second question. So the question isn't, is this good or bad or right or wrong? It's, why do I need this to be good or bad or right or wrong? What is it about me that is begging this kind of question, the introspective question? So it just, you know, I think if somebody's frustrated about people not getting their work, they, can, they need to ask a deeper question of themselves. Just like the art he makes, Oliver wants creators to ask questions, to dig deeper, to examine and inquire and explore. And once a viewer of his work does that, they're bound to have a light switch moment themselves and say, oh, now I get it. Okay, so I think after hearing that, one thing feels easier and one thing still seems scary. The thing that feels easier is we're not really on the hunt for all people to like our ideas. Instead, we need to find the right people to like our work. And that means there will be some that are just wrong to reach. Some people that won't intrinsically like our ideas, and, and that's okay. And that just means that we need to keep going, keep sharing our ideas and our work until we find the right people to receive it. But the thing that still seems scary is that split second when an idea moves from something unshared to shared. When you've committed mentally to putting it out in the world and speaking it, there's still that tiny little hump which actually seems really big and really, really scary. In that instance, in that split second, your idea goes from yours and yours alone to something the entire world can now see and spread and respond to for better and oftentimes for worse. It's like standing frozen at the edge of a cliff about to dive into the water. So what happens if we just stopped feeling scared and jumped? I'm holding a postcard in my hand right now. This is Frank Warren, the creator of Post Secret, a hugely popular blog where people share their secrets publicly. Almost each of the million postcards that have been mailed to me anonymously with secrets have some artwork, a drawing or a 
picture something on the front. This one says BFF and it has some flowers. And the secret says, when my husband cheated on me, my best friend told me if I was meeting all of his needs, he wouldn't be cheating on me. After my divorce, I had sex with her husband. (laughs) So sometimes the secrets can, you know, allow you to peek into somebody's most private life in a way that can be humorous or you feel a connection. This is one I'm holding. This one came from Canada. It's got a picture of an elevator on the front. Frank thinks the reason anybody would share a secret, just like the reason Oliver Warden shares his art, isn't so much to gain widespread acceptance. Instead, you know, it might be okay to share it with the right person. And honestly, that's probably the most common secret that's mailed to me is, is somebody sharing a story about how they'd really love to find that one person who they could tell all of their secrets to, who they could be their full and true and whole selves around. I see that secret written dozens of different ways on postcards every week. Frank has sorted through millions of secrets on the blog in its 11-year history. And instead of scandalous, they actually all feel strangely artistic. They usually arrive at Frank's house in the form of postcards with little designs and copy on them. So they're kind of nice. And those secrets range from the serious and the very personal, like you just heard before, to things like... I feel guilty when I take elevators for one floor, so I limp when I get out. (laughs) But again, rather than creating a blog full of internet trolls and personal attacks on other people, you get a supportive, communal vibe. I got a secret from a woman who said, I didn't realize I was in an abusive relationship until I understood that I had lost all of my opinions. And I posted that on the web and I got an email from another woman who said, I didn't even know how effed up my relationship was until I read this other woman's secret and recognized it in myself. I've decided to leave him, and now I'm in a much better place. So one woman's secret inspired someone she'll never meet to change her life, to make a radical difference. That's a wonderful, refreshing feeling for the internet. But when Post Secrets started... Nobody got it. My friends didn't get it. My neighbors didn't get it. My mom called the idea diabolical, as in work of the devil. (laughs) Even my wife didn't, you know, get it, but she supported me. But here's the thing. I think if we really want to grow our unique ideas to fruition, it's very helpful to have faith in them, to understand them as much as we can, but at the same time to be flexible. And as we're growing those ideas and and bringing those seeds out of us into the world, they're going to get all kinds of reactions. You need to have the desire to understand your vision, push through, but also to listen and to alter course here or there. I think for the best ideas, it's kind of like this this dance between you and your audience. You have something special inside of you for sure, but no matter how great it is, you really have to not compromise, but bring it out in a way that serves you and serves your audience. Frank had danced with his audience before and mostly stepped on their feet. He'd uh, actually failed in a few other very similar projects based on postcards until Post Secret took off. So I asked him, were you ever concerned about sharing this big, crazy idea for fear that others wouldn't get it? I think that's a great way to describe it, actually, if I can just jump right in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt that same way when I started this project. I haven't thought about it in those terms, but now that you framed it like that, I can see 
the seed being seen as a secret. I mean, people thought I was crazy to go out on the sidewalks after a hard day of work and solicit secrets from strangers. Um, I was handing out postcards with my address on it. And I, I just had this crazy faith in this idea. And I felt if I could really earn the deep confidence of strangers to tell me a true secret, something that they were hiding in their heart, it could really be something special. So fighting the urge to keep that idea bottled up, Frank shared it with the world, literally through those postcards, published each Sunday on a simple blogger blog. And the reason anybody would actually contribute their secrets so freely? Frank thinks it comes down to one thing that he did right from the beginning. If I was just blogging about what was in my mind every Sunday, believe me, it wouldn't be that interesting. But I've invited the world to share their stories with me. and I've been presenting them in an honorable, safe, non-commercial way on the web for 10 years. And the website's had 700 million hits. That's all due to other people's stories and secrets and what they've trusted me with. And that trusting space evolved in ways that Frank could never have predicted. Six books, hundreds of talks, over a million postcards received, and dozens of community art projects all inspired by PostSecret. The postcards uploaded to the site were even featured as the backdrop to a concert put on by the All-American Rejects, a platinum recording group. And when we spoke, Frank was in the middle of a 25-city live performance tour to support PostSecret. None of that would have happened without one simple idea that Frank embraced. If you want your ideas to be better received, you need to create a space where everyone can share theirs more freely. I really think if there's a way to, to leverage your impact, it's about creating a place where others can share their stories. In the same way, you know, you can look at a company like Apple. Um, Apple creates great products for sure, but they create marketplaces. Um, when you create play, a, a marketplace, that's, that creates phenomenally more value than just creating a product. And I think we can do that in an idea sense as well. We can create a place where others can share. So maybe we've been coming at this stuff all wrong. Maybe the key to all of this has been right in front of us the whole time. And I mean that literally. It's all about the person hearing our ideas because we think that the secret makes us different but in reality it's something that can connect us with others we spend so much time agonizing over our own secrets those those big ideas that we keep inside and when we share them we point the finger we blame the other person for not getting it but ask yourself how often do you spend trying to make everybody's ideas feel welcome how often do you spend creating a space that makes idea sharing just part of the culture in general, forgetting your own for a second? So instead of thinking, whatever, they don't get it, maybe next time ask, how can I make this place or this relationship better so that the next time I share something, they might? Because in the end, to quote entrepreneur Scott Belsky, who appeared on a former Slingshot episode of ours, it's not about ideas. It's about making ideas happen. And just imagine the ideas that we could make happen if only everybody would be more willing to share their ideas, to share their secrets. There are tens of thousands of other ideas out there right now as good as Post Secret 
or better, just waiting for that one person to believe in it and have crazy faith and make it happen. I, I really feel like in terms of being a creative and following your passion and coming up with something new to add to the world that has value that the world hasn't seen before, almost more important than having that good idea is having the crazy faith and passion and desire and drive to execute it. So what have we learned here? Well, for starters, we're definitely not in the business of seeking some kind of universal approval or praise, because far more important than finding the most people to like our ideas is finding the right people. To do that, we have to put out work that we feel proud of for its own sake, things that we love, knowing that it's the best way to attract others who might also then get it. But at the same time, we also have to be open open to sharing what could otherwise be kept secret, open to the opinions of others, and above all else, open to the bigger reason we share ideas with the world. As craft-driven creators who are guided by intuition, we need to act on that intuition when others feel afraid. That's part of the reason we do it, is to set an example for others and build that culture. We need to be the ones to raise our hands when nobody else will. I will speak up, I will share my ideas, and I will create that environment where everybody feels comfortable sharing what they feel is crazy or even secret. Now, as a New York sports fan myself, it pleases me to no end to conclude that maybe Michael Jordan got it wrong on that conference room poster. It's not about you taking shot after shot until you succeed. It's about making sure that others can take their shots too. Thanks for listening. This episode was written and edited by me with production support from Alana Nevins. If you are a creative soul trying to do work with more soul, consider my membership program, The Creator Kitchen. This is for professional communicators to achieve their creative potential. It's all about craft, creativity, and storytelling so you can bet on the quality of your work, not endlessly chase the next trend to grow. You'll get a blend of immersion, feedback, and practice, plus a ton of behind the scenes about how I make things, including this show, and you'll learn to close the gap between what you can imagine creating and what you actually create consistently. This is about resonance and your ability to make things that matter. You can get $100 off your membership using the code UNTHINKABLE in all capital letters. That's UNTHINKABLE in all caps for $100 off at creatorkitchen.com or check your show notes for a link. Things get better when you make better things. I'm back in two weeks with a brand new episode of the show. Until then, keep making what matters. See ya.